The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We are in Proverbs on Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And for several weeks, we've been in God's Book of Wisdom. We're going to continue today. And uh, we're also going to take phone calls. And there's just a lot we do on the show. We look at the Scripture. We apply it to life. And then it's just such an honor that we talk to you wherever you may be. You can call in. I'm going to give that number already. It's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840, and we'll take your calls and Bible questions here in just a moment. But, Bert, um, are you enjoying our look at God's Book of Wisdom? I am, and again, I've gone through it several times, but each time uh, God seems to reveal to me something that I didn't see earlier. I, I think it has to do with circumstances in our life. It has to do with more knowledge of other scriptures, you bringing it to this And so I've really enjoyed it, and I think it's been very practical. And again today, Proverbs 26, it's practical. It's going to talk about the foolishness, being uh, one, and it's self-confident. Whoa, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. too. It's foolish to be so self-confident. It's talking about laziness. It's going to talk about a talebearer or a gossip. A lot of this, uh, not quite half of it, is talking about watching your tongue. Alex uh, James hits that. Have you noticed there's a big tie-in in the book of Proverbs and the book of James? Both of them practical. Proverbs is very practical. And when you get to the book of James, uh, you know, it's about how the living the Christian life, being mature in Christ. So I, I was, I've, that's what I've noticed a lot this time, the practicality. And it's also translated into many scriptures but especially in the New Testament, in the book of James. Amen. You know, and we love all these verses. It it, it seems like in all of these wonderful chapters of Proverbs, uh, there'll be like one verse that just jumps out, and forgive me, I'm going to read verse 22, and I know we'll go back, but this is so priceless. Um, No, um, verse 20, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. Where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. Okay, (laughs) So if there's no firewood, the wood will burn out. You take out the source of the fuel. And in a similar way, where there's no gossiper or talebearer, the striving ceases. Now, Bert, over the last 25 years, it's been my privilege on four different occasions to be interim pastor of a church. And um, one time it was 30 months. That was a pretty long time. And in addition to traveling and broadcasting, I was interim. But I was interim of a certain church, and I mean, they had trouble. They, it was like they, there was so much division. And I thought there was a certain man that was the gossip, and he was a deacon. And um, I didn't want to think that. I thought, you know, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't be suspect of that guy. But it just seemed like um, we would have a deacon's meeting or a personnel committee, something very confidential. And then sensitive information would get out there. So I just did a little test, and I I told him something that was fairly innocuous. I mean, it was nothing big. And I mean, the next day, I had half a dozen people call me. And I asked him, I said, hey, did you tell anybody what I told you? He, oh, no, Brother Alex, you know me. I'm like a bank vault. I wouldn't say anything. (laughs) But Uh I I learned who the mole was. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. So where there's no talebearer, the strife ceases. My point is this. Um, few things hurt relationships, churches, the workplace, like the rumor mill. Am I right, Bert? You are right. The literal word in the Hebrew is whisperer. Okay, mm. now li- that's the li- literal meaning. Talebearer, gossip, yes, it has all that. But the literal word is whisper, that person that is going to try to talk behind your back while no one else is listening, and they share it. But the rest is 20, 21, and 22. Let's go ahead and do that, because what you do in Proverbs, 
you have the first 12 verses that talks about the fool. Then you have verses 13 through 16 that talks about the lazy man. But then starting in 18, 17 downward, it's basically about the talebearer or the whisper. And 20, 21 and 22 uh, go together. The 21 says, as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Now, we've heard about the contentious woman, about the man living in the corner of a house, but a man being contentious, look at that. It's not exclusive to to the female uh, species, okay? And Mm -hmm. then verse 22, the words of a tailbear are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost part. You have to have ears to make that happen. What do you do? I want to ask you this, Alex. Somebody somebody comes to you whispering, tailbearing, gossip. As a person that knows that's their tendency, that's their uh, mode of operation, what do you do? Do you cut them off, listen, or do you confront them? Uh, well, you, you say, hey, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear that. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to listen to this. And really, you don't. Don't pass that on. Um, and I, I do think we need to lovingly but uh, clearly call people out on this because, hey, there have been, goodness gracious, there have been everything from ad- political administrations to uh, ministry endeavors that implode when information is leaked out or false information is given. You know, I've got um, my King James with me. Verse 21, you mentioned, as coals are to burning uh as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle tri- strife. Now, have you ever been out and maybe uh, somebody says, oh, let's get some kindling wood, K-I-N-D-L-E. To kindle means to start something up, just like twigs and dry leaves and coals. You blow on them and it'll start up a fire. Um, you know, we don't want to be the uh, kindling wood to start up something negative, do we? We uh, do not. But- we do not. Hey, Alex, our, let me our, suggest something about how to handle that. For questions, let me just share with you. Jesus used questions better than anybody every time. He'd ask questions that would put them in their place. So ask these questions with somebody that's whispering to you something about someone. Do I need to know this? Do I need to know this? They say, have you heard Stop them in the tracks and say, do I need to know this? And then ask mm. them, okay, if I hear this, do what can I do about it? Is there something that I can possibly do about it? Does it uh, uh, have, have to do with me with being able to stop something, to be able to do something and correct it? And if the answer is no, listen, say, I don't need to hear it. I do yeah. not need to hear it. Now, again, uh, there's times when you do need to hear it. If you're in authority and someone comes to you, usually they have a way to do that. And if if, if you're going up the chain of command, uh, you try to the person that you're answerable to, to about asking them about situations. But please, uh, I, I beg you, I, I think that is so detrimental as you said, in a church where you were interim pastor, Alex, the damage that is done is beyond measure when there's mm. someone that's a whisperer and trying to get things going. So let's try to put the fire out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, so many of these verses are just so rich with meaning. And by the way, um, Bert, did you ever have like books of quotations? Yeah. I do. I still have. Uh, I, I really enjoy those, and yeah. one of my favorite is uh, Bill Federer's American History book of quotations. And um, anyway, one of the reasons I love to read Proverbs, you can just jump on the train any place, <laughs> and and you know it's like we're in twenty six, and we started at verse twenty because there are they're very topical, but very practical, and just. You know, put your finger down anywhere, and you're going to find something good. Now, let me read this. In verse 23, burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. Okay, a potsherd is a piece of a broken, like a terracotta flower pot, if you've ever broken one of those, you know, brownish-orange flower pots. A potsherd. And remember, Job 
he scraped his sores with a piece of broken pottery. Right. Now, silver dross, the word dross, D-R-O-S-S, dross is literally that which is cast aside. Because when they're refining silver, uh, they pull out the dirt and keep the precious metal. Now, imagine you've got a shard of pottery, which could cut you. But they've put around those rough edges some cheap, mixed-up, halfway dirty, unrefined silver. It says burning lips, in other words, the gossiper, that's coming out of a wicked heart. That's like a potsherd. It looks shiny on top, but underneath it'll cut you. And the reason I kind of, verse 23, this is such a vivid, vivid word picture, isn't it? It really is, and it continues. Since we're here, we're going to go to the end of the chapter in this first segment and then come back to verses 2 through 12, which talks, and it uses the word fool 11 times. But here Mm. it says in 24, and he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. He he's really he's telling you something that uh, he really wants to hurt someone with, but he disguises it with concern. Let me ask you this: I have a prayer request. <laughs> mm, okay, and, and be careful. <laughs> yes, they can, and they disguise it as concern. Where in reality, all they're doing is passing on bad information. Alex, that's exactly mm. what they do. Verse twenty-five. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Complete. That's the word seven, and seven is important. It's abominations. These are against God. They're against what God wants. And then 26, and I'll turn it over to you. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the whole congregation. I can tell you, uh, this is from experience of someone that was working behind the scenes at a church and talking and trying to get in a position of authority. And when they did, they really did the damage. But guess what happened a few years later? They were really revealed of what kind of people they are. So let me share with you. You will be, if you're a tailbearer, if you're a whisperer, it's going to come out. It's going to happen to you. And so it will be revealed. Alex, uh, I, listen, just w- don't be a gossip. Is I that's mean, that's true. great advice, isn't it? Well, it really is. And, you know, especially mindful of the fact that, you know, Ecclesiastes and other places tell us that we'll give an account of every word. Um, We've got a break coming up, and this is Exploring the Word. So glad that you're listening. We really, really appreciate the fact that you'd be tuning in, everybody. We're going to continue Proverbs 26 after this, plus your phone calls, your Bible questions on American Family Radio Network, American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. We'll be back after this, so stay with us. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. He is the state senior senator, as well as the former head football coach at Auburn University. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Senator Tommy Tuberville as he represents the people of Alabama. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says we don't have to go looking for trouble from the devil. We just need to drop our guard. And he says there's one area where we do that all too often. He'll tell us what it is as we spend two minutes with Tony. The Bible makes it clear in Ephesians 4.27 that the devil is looking for an opportunity. That is an unhooked window or an unlocked door. You don't have to welcome him in. All you got to do is set it up so he can get in. And one of the big setups for the enemy to get in is to give up stewardship and start trying to own what God has not given you permission to own. The moment you become an owner rather than a manager, 
that what you have done is you have set up a system for Satan to get in because Satan knows God will not support your ownership of that which belongs to him. At the heart of kingdom stewardship is that God owns it, you don't, you just manage it. Once you start to own it, you're now in conflict with the owner, setting up a door, a window for Satan to get in because he knows God's not going to buy what you're selling. You are a manager. Sin opens up the door for Satan. When we sin, we have created a crack for him to slither through to create chaos in our lives. He seeks for an opportunity. And just like he ripped off Adam and Eve and the whole world as a result of that, he's trying to rip you off, me off, we off too. But God can restore what was taken. Find out how with the help of Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. Amen. There's a better life. That song really fits the book of Proverbs. The things that we've run to, the things that we've tried, there's something better. Don't be the fool. Don't be the gossiper. Don't be a lazy guy. There's much better. And when you find Jesus Christ as Savior, you're on the road and you're in the right direction follow him. Alex, before we go back to the first part of Proverbs 26, we turn mm-hmm. things around and I love to do that from time to time myself. Now I want to yeah. at least look at two verses real quickly. Verse, verse 17 is the first, uh, verse that introduces us to uh, gossip. Notice what it mm-hmm. says. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of wisdom in this. And matter of fact, even today I use this verse uh, as someone come to ask me something about should they do certain things, it says, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Uh, you better be mm-hmm. careful uh, where you stick <laughs> your nose, okay, in the yeah, middle of yeah. someone's business. And that's a warning, and uh, it's like taking hold of a dog. Uh, and so I, I, that verse, and let me give you the other one and then you can take it away. The other one that I wanted to make sure you get is in verse 27, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who mm-hmm. rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. When you are doing those things, it's going to come back to you. I could not help but think of Haman in the book of Esther. Uh, here oh, he yes. was that. Does, does verse 27 describe Haman for, to to the T? Well, it really does. I mean, the gallows that he was building for Mordecai and the Jews. Haman was kind of the Adolf Hitler of the Old Testament, trying to, you know, anti-Semitic, trying to kill off the Hebrew people. And he hung on his own gallows, didn't he? And, and I got to tell, there's this old saying, pick your battles, you know. Um, and that's like the one, like you say in verse 17, the one who passes by. Imagine somebody... And this is just total stranger, none of his affair, and he gets in the middle of something. And, uh, hey, most of us, if we're wise, and uh, sadly, this is, a, this is a, a skill maybe I've learned late. Wish I'd learned it earlier. But if, we'll, if we're wise, we'll know what to stay out of. Am I right? You're there? right. Now, that doesn't, don't use this verse as an excuse not to get involved when pain is going on. And hurt, notice, it is specific. It's a quarrel. It doesn't say it's physical. Uh, And so this, again, Alex, the word is balance. Yeah, there's some times when you got to speak up, but there's times where you better not speak, you know? And uh, so that's verse 17 in verse 27. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go back or you want to go? Let's uh, let's go back. And it it was my fault to start out. No, I I loved it, brother. You did it great today. I enjoyed doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it begins as snow is in the summer and rain and harvest. So honor is not seemly for a fool. You know, um, there have been times that uh, unexpected weather comes about, but honor for a fool 
when the Old Testament talks about honor, it, it's talking about not only um, maybe praise or accolades, but it's also just the respect and the prosperity and the success that comes from doing the right thing. And let me say this, there, there are times in history where people are raised up by the sovereignty of God. The Bible talks about God raising up kings and leaders. But I want to tell you something, just like you know, gravity works the same for everybody, and the laws of physics, you know, are operable all over the world. I'm going to tell you something. If you live right, work hard, say your prayers, and put God first, you'll go places. You will. Success is not just this carrot God dangles in front of the select few, and you're hopelessly bound to never achieve anything. No, Bert, I believe if you live for the Lord, work hard, live honestly, be a person of character, say your prayers, keep Jesus number one, watch success come your way. That's true in America now. There are some countries, let's bring balance this, that right now, if you're a Christian in Nigeria, well, that, now that's true. There's you're open Yeah, you're open game in North Korea. You're open game. And, and so, but he, that's why, and, and I bring that up, that's why America as they called it, this great experiment was such a novelty. And these men that God raised up during the founding father's time, uh, you know, you remember Tom Brokaw wrote The Greatest Generation about the World War II generation. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yes. I, but I think there was a generation that competed with them, and that's the founding father's generation. As as You know what I mean? I, I, those two generations, when you look at America— and you look at our history, and you look at the founding fathers, where they were coming from, what they saw, and what they envisioned, and what they gave us, like Ben Franklin, I've given you this republic if you can keep it. So right. we can keep it. And now when World War II and it came along, the danger of it, and I think right now we're living in a time when another great generation needs to rise up. And it may have started at Asbury and gone on to Cedarville and these others that this new generation might see the falsehood of wokeness and they could see the falsehood of, of liberal theology. And, and see, that's what, that's what happened in Iran. Uh, they saw the falsehood of Islam and they said, we want freedom. But they had uh, government control and army control and they put it down. And so, and but uh, guess what's happening in Iran? There's more believers in the last 10 years that's come out of Iran than many other countries around the world because they saw the failure of Islam and they saw the hope that's in Jesus Christ. I'm praying that mm -hmm. for this new generation, Alex. Right. Uh, well, amen, me too. Look, I want to go over a couple of verses that have raised questions over the years, four and five. Now, I've got... Uh, the King James here, but four and five, and I've had a few people ask if this is a contradiction. I don't think it is. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Verse five, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And so people have said, well, wait just a minute. It says don't answer a fool, then it says do, do answer a fool. What's the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you, part of the difference is this. The two words in the English that are translated answer, A-N-S-W-E-R, in the original language, there are two different words. Now, in verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. The implication is that you're agreeing. You're responding with agreement. And in verse 5, the wording is you are responding with correction. So it's saying, let's, um, in, in the way that maybe you're trying to curry favor with somebody and somebody says something that's very false, but you agree, you go, oh, you got that right. Oh, no, uh, you don't want to respond in agreement. But in verse five, there's response with correction. Now, answer a fool according to his folly. So, and Bert, you and I, we've had people ask questions that were good questions, sometimes not so great questions. I think about times that I've I've asked the wrong question. Yeah, me as well. And and I thank God for 
men in my life. I did a funeral last summer for Mark Sink, who mentored me. He's in heaven now. But when I was a brand new 21-year-old, I had a lot of very incorrect ideas. And Mark was always gentle but firm, and he answered this fool according to my folly and corrected me sometimes, you know? Amen. So there's a difference there between four and five. There is, and, and you need to know that, and you can hear them. Uh, you can hear those questions. The Bible in the New Testament says there are certain questions you need to avoid. Avoid foolish questions. Don't, uh, you know, don't give them room. They do not deserve an answer. I don't know how else to say that. And then the correction. If you correct a fool, you probably <laughs> won't be appreciated by them. I can tell you that. But over time, it might happen. If, if they come to themselves like the prodigal son who was acting like a foolish son, when he came to himself, he remembered his father. He remembered words. He remembered the care, and he went back. So answer those questions as best you can, even in correction. Alex, l real quickly, I want to go to one that I, I just want to make sure everybody sees this. Again, this is a powerful chapter when it comes to foolishness again i'm repeating myself 11 times the word fool or fools are used in 12 verses and it talks about it verse 7 like the eggs of the lame to hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools and mm. they that they do not get it it what, what would you say? It does not compute, you know? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. compute with them. They, 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 it's useless, and it hangs there. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. You put a stone in a sling, you're loading them up. If you give honor to yes. the fool, uh, Alex, how foolish it is for us to give honor to a fool. Uh, you know? yeah, exactly. And listen, we love people, but there there have been times, have you ever been maybe preaching a sermon and somebody will come back and, and really take you to task and they'll say, why in the world did you say thus and such? And and that really wasn't what you said at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and listen, um, folks, I want to be clear. Step one, you, you want to you not be a fool, uh, number one, get saved. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing how uh, the most important decision of life that we all need to make at some point, and if you've never made this decision, then by all means today, open your heart to Jesus, put your faith in the Lord, and be born again. The Holy Spirit of God will live in you and begin to be your teacher. And as a Christian, opening to the Word of God, you'll begin to come wise. But, um, you know, I, I want to say it is interesting how people miss here, and it says like a parable in the mouth of fools, or verse 9 has a, a very vivid thing, as a thorn goes up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Now, if somebody was drunk, they might fall down and fall into the ditch and get thorns in their skin. Uh, well, that's like um, try a foolish person. They, they miss the point, they get the story wrong, a parable in the mouth of fools. Bert, have you ever talked to like an atheist and they'll, um, they do, folks, listen to this. There's a thing called a non sequitur. That's Latin for non sequential. In other words, it doesn't follow. And I've had people, and it's just crazy, they'll say, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. Yes, that's what the Bible says. So I guess the Bible says that's what we're supposed to do. No, that doesn't follow at all. Um, you know, we had a question about earlier in the week uh, some of the uh, violence in the Old Testament, and we had, you know, a question about some of the things that were sinful in the Old Testament. Well, just because the Bible records it, it's not prescriptive of how it's telling us to live, and it's just amazing how truth in the hands of foolish people some can get just construed all sideways and wrong. It is. Now, I, may, I really wanted to get to 11 and 12. You were talking about mm. uh, verse uh, you know, 20, about how that is so important. I believe 20, 11 and 12, this is repeated two or three times throughout the Bible. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's 
more hope for a fool than for him. Now, listen, mm. verse 12 is, is talking about a man wise in his own eyes. He cannot be taught anything. What does that mean? He knows everything, Alex. You can't tell me anything. I know that. You can't show me anything. I know how to do that. They're wise in their own eyes. In reality, they're not. And so mm. don't be that person that, we, what do we call them, a know-it-all? Don't be that person that's a know-it-all and thinks they're better than anyone and they have the right answers. Everything else, no matter what they say, is wrong. Uh, get your get your stance and your positions from the Word of God. Stand on the Word of God. That is a sure foundation, not what you think or not what you might perceive. It is the Word of God. Mm. Well, uh, you know, verse 15 is going to connect with these things, but you you said it so well, Bert. Um, the, the man that can't be taught, he's wise in his own eyes. There's just no hope for him. Verse 13, the slothful man saith there's a lion in the way or in the street. A lion is in the street. Now, this is almost a verbatim quote from Proverbs twenty-two thirteen that we were in several days back. But um, why, why don't you get up and go to work? Oh, I can't. There's a lion out there. I might get harmed. You know, Bert... Um, I'm not going to digress on this, but uh, if if people are not motivated and not not going to go to work, I mean, there's there's no shortage of excuses. But uh, 14, as the door turns upon its hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. The slothful, in other words, the lazy man. And again, folks, this is the word of God, and God doesn't uh, soften it. God lays the cards on the table. The lazy man. Doesn't want to work, but he'll, you know, run up mile after mile, turning back and forth on the bed. The slothful hides his hand in his coat or in his bosom. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. I mean, somebody's so lazy, they won't even bring food up to his face to eat. Now, that's lazy, isn't it? That is lazy. That's the whole (laughs) thing. Now, look what it says in 16. It kind of caps this off as it changes uh, in verse 17, but this is the last statement that it makes about the sluggard. And you can put a fool and a sluggard in sometimes close to the same category. They really are. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He, Alex, mm. again, the sluggard, the know-it-all, they know, verse 12, a man who's wise in his own eyes, uh, the sluggard can defend his laziness um, you know, but there's no correct way to make it right. He needs to get mm. right with God. You ready to, to answer some questions, Alex? Let's do that. After this break, folks, we're going to open up the phones. 888-589-8840. Call us. When you hear this. This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Is something missing in your spiritual life since you stopped going to church? Jesus never intended for us to live the Christian life alone. He wants us to be a part of a spiritual family of believers. Maybe you stopped going to church because you got hurt or disillusioned. Maybe you got offended or busy or maybe sin got a foothold in your life. Perhaps COVID made you stop. Whatever the reason, isn't it time you started going again? I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. God made His design for marriage and family absolutely clear. Unfortunately, the world listens to Satan and therefore has a totally opposite view. Your friend who is saying, I encourage my daughter to identify as my son because I want to be loving and accepting Christian, you need to say that is child abuse. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023 wants to restore God's plan. 
July 6th through the 8th at the Cadence Bank Arena and Conference Center in Tupelo, Mississippi, strengthen your marriage and your family with Dr. Kathy Cook. So they choose the quality, they keep making the same choice, the ability develops, it becomes a natural part of who they are, it becomes a part of their character, it marks them. Ryan Baumberger. We are the ones who care for people after they're born. I mean, one of my parents adopt us and throw us in a cage. Hey, go fend for yourself. No. And many more. The Youth Apologetics track is back as well. The Marriage Family Life Conference 2023, for His glory alone. Register today at marriagefamilylife.net. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. So the Biden administration is preparing to enter the United States into a legally binding agreement with the World Health Organization that would grant the entity authority to mandate America's health care policies in the event of a future pandemic. This would cede American sovereignty to the WHO to determine treatments, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains and surveilling populations after a global health emergency is declared. Biden lawlessness continues. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand God, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We have a full board with questions, so we're not wasting any time whatsoever. We're going to go straight to the boards. And where did we go to first, Alex? Oh, going to go to the beautiful state of Kansas. Going to speak with Chuck. Chuck, thank you for holding. You're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Oh, hello, hello. Um, <clears throat> how's it going? Going well, man. Good. Good to have you. Oh, thank you. Well, um, I guess I'll, I guess I'll start off. Uh, I have a 14 year old. Uh, she, I'm in quite a predicament. I have a 14 year old. Her name's Sierra. And I have my friend, Jerry, who is uh, someone about my age at about 43. Uh, I was going through Sierra's phone, uh, as I usually do every couple days. And I see, I see my friend and they're texting together. And I think they have um, laid together. Uh, and I don't know how to forgive him. And then, my, then Sierra is a sinner now. Uh, I'm in, I don't know. I'm looking to the guidance, but it's not it's not speaking to me. Well, Chuck, forgive me for just jumping in here, but let me. And your daughter is fourteen. Yes. Uh, let me say, um, there's a legal word called statutory, and if they have become sexually involved, this uh, person has uh, gotten himself in a lot of trouble. And I would encourage you to talk to, um, for one thing, um, an attorney. I, I really would. And I, I know this is probably not um, uh, an easy road that you're thinking about having to go down. On the one hand, you you want to pray. But um, l- let me ask you this. Are, are you and your wife, Sierra's mother, are you all together? Yes, we're all together. Um, we have another... Uh, we have an 11 year old, but we, I've just we've tried everything that we possibly can, and I'm I'm not I'm not here for legal advice. I'm here just for spiritual guidance because um, Mark 11:25. Right. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you for your sins. And I, I Chuck, it's where do I yeah. begin? Forgive Chuck, me. let me just share with you: can forgive him, but that does not mean not hold him into accountability. Let me separate that real quickly. Right. So what you want to do, you need to see the severity of this, and you have. You've called us. What you do, uh, it it will not, I doubt it would be an event where you, okay, I forgive him, it's gone. 
it will be one that is continual. It will be coming back up. It will do. And each time you have to come and say to yourself and to the Lord, Lord, help me forgive him because I doubt if you can in your own strength. I don't think you can. I, I, if I were you, yes, it'd be, but I'm saying God can help you in that area. But just let me show forgiveness of him is not holding him. Uh, doesn't mean you don't hold him accountable for the wrong he has done. Uh, I've seen that happen in the judicial system. Uh, yes, there's forgiveness, but yet the price should be paid. And so Chuck, I think the forgiveness happens as as you ask God to help you, brother. Alex, anything else? Mm. Just uh, Bert's giving you good counsel there, and you're going to need to lean into Jesus. And uh, I, I fully agree that forgiving uh, doesn't mean that the uh, perpetrator is not held accountable because there, yes, in your heart there are spiritual implications, but really in the life of your daughter there are legal implications as well. Chuck, we're, we're praying for uh, you. We want everybody to write the name of Chuck and Sierra down right now. Help, just pray. God would help them. I, mm. I'm over. Father, mm. I pray that you'd help Chuck. I pray, God, that he would hear you, and I pray he would do that which is necessary as he's called us in his heart to see that that he can ask you to help bring him step by step. I doubt if it happens all at one time. Father, some of these, Jesus said, come by fasting and praying, and sometimes forgiveness comes that way. It doesn't come as an event but it comes by fasting and praying step by step. I pray for Chuck. I pray for the victory in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Charlie in Texas. Charlie, thanks for holding. You're on. Hey, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had two questions real quick. If you can get to them, great. Uh, If not, I I totally understand. Um, I did the Bible in 90 days where you 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 read through the whole Bible in 90 days. I got to confess, it took me like 102 days, so it wasn't really <laughs> the 90-day period, but uh, it was a great <laughs> learning lesson, but I would just take little notes and stuff, but uh, I just had two general questions. So, like, do we have any idea in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 3, on how long Adam and Eve got to enjoy that perfect environment God created until the honeymoon was over? I mean, I was just kind of curious, was it like, a year or weekend or it seemed like it maybe happened pretty quick yeah. and they were Charlie, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Alex, I'll make one statement real quickly. It was long enough to set a pattern for Adam and Eve going and walking and communing with God. You know, that doesn't happen mm-hmm. over a weekend. The pattern had been set. Now whether that and people say, now this is just modern day, you have to have thirty days of you know, to set a pattern in your life. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I had always heard that, you know, it, it probably wasn't, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, it, you know, Bishop Usher that had the chronology that he believed the Garden of Eden was in about 4004 B.C. felt like it might have been even within the first month. But um, probably it, it from Dr. Wilmington thought there's a lot of theologians said they felt like it was um surprisingly quick really and the admonition for any of us is stay to god's word believe god's word what it says because if you begin to reason in your own strength remember adam and eve they try to rationalize uh you, you'll get in the ditch pretty quick if you try to do life on your own best guesses rather than god's revelation amen thank you charlie so, let's go Jim in Arkansas. Jim, welcome. Yes, I like the advice you gave Chuck. Absolutely. Follow the legal path and pray for the guy. Absolutely. Oh, my. To me, mine doesn't seem so great anymore. Uh, It was about Mm -hmm. if somebody in my church uh, asked me, well, Jim, I'm thinking about leaving this church. Well, I would say, why isn't Jesus here at this church? Let them know and understand 
they're going to go somewhere else. It's not because Jesus is not in the church. It's because they want to go somewhere else. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, Jim. Let me share with this with you. And I don't know if these people, I found out the biggest problem with me, wherever I go, there I am. <laughs> you catch Alex, mm. you can't get away wow. from yourself. Wow. And a lot of times if the problem's yourself, because you, you have such great expectations, you, you want everything to be centered. Then probably you're never going to be satisfied. But I want to tell you, the main thing is find a church that preaches the word of God and they do their best to be missional in their purpose of, you know, bringing people to Christ and they want to disciple uh, believers and help the family. Man, if I find those four traits in a church, Alex, I want to tell you, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine when I found those four traits. Amen. Amen. Jim, thank you. That's a great call. We're going to go to Tennessee. Tennessee is the site of our big Worldview Conference in April, but Jonathan in Tennessee, welcome. Hey, how are you? Good. You're on. Hey, I just wanted to call in. I, I just, God laid it on my heart. I, I usually don't call in, but I've been listening to you guys for a while and really appreciate y'all's ministry. Um, but I just wanted to just say to the gentleman that called in about his friend that had, had potentially, or I guess had, had slept with his 14 year old daughter. I really wanted to encourage him to really think and pray. And I will be praying for him about taking uh, legal uh, action against that because if he doesn't take legal action, then that could happen again, and it could happen to someone else's daughter. Amen. And so wow. I just felt like I just felt like that was something the Lord wanted me to share, and and I'll be uh, humbly and and going before the throne of God for him to make that right decision. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, brother. This is what the Christian life is about: us holding people up when. You know, aren't you glad that guy that could not walk had four friends that would let him down from the rooftop to let him before Jesus? And so that's that's what we do sometimes. We take our brothers and sisters to the Lord, and we're doing that for Chuck. Okay. Wow. And, and sometimes it's, um, you know, the repercussions of our decisions that really, painful as that might be, it it's used by God to straighten us out. Uh, Jonathan, thank you. Um, Smitty in Ohio. Smitty, thanks for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon, guys. I had a question. Uh, I grew up uh, pre-trib, and the church I go to, uh, I'm sure there's a fair amount of pre-tribbers in there. Uh, recently, we had a uh, class uh, about a year ago on end times, and was going through uh, First Thessalonians and uh, primarily Matthew 24, uh, where Jesus tells about tells the disciples about what are the signs of the end times before He comes, and I was just reading through it again. Um, some would say that He is is right, and this is written to the saints in the church age because Jesus is telling His disciples what the signs will be, and others have said that this is a kind of a guidebook for anyone who misses the rapture but gets saved afterwards, so like a tribulation saint. I was wondering if you might have any thoughts on if that leans one way or the other. Alex, go ahead with that answer. Uh, God bless you. L let me say this. Uh, within Christian orthodoxy, there have been different conclusions drawn by people trying to you know, uh, handle all of the prophetic passages, and of course the book of Revelation is probably the most famous. Now, the point of orthodoxy on which we all agree is that Christ is coming back, the Lord Jesus will literally return one day, and will set up his kingdom on earth. Now, I am what you would call pre-tribulational, um, and one of my theological mentors, Norm Geisler, talked about hermeneutics and I will say this, I know people that uh, they view the book of Revelation, everything from chapter 4 to 22, as history, not prophecy. Because some people will say, oh, well, all of that, John was trying to describe just the cataclysmic battle of Rome ransacking Israel in 70 AD. 
No, I, I, I do think Revelation, at least chapter 4 forward, is prophecy, not history. Now, that being said, Dr. Geisler would say that pre-tribulation, uh, pre-tribulationalism is a hermeneutical fundamental. In other words, if we're going to take the Bible literally, then we take the words for what they mean, and really for what they mean, um, it does seem futurist. And that's what I believe. I do too. Rapture, tribulation, Armageddon, return, millennium, new heavens, new earth. But I'm not going to burn a bridge with anybody over it, but I've got a lot of friends that aren't pre-trib, and I, I love them, and I just respectfully disagree because, right. Bert, I, I do believe in the rapture. I do, too. I think that's I wanted you to answer because you and I agree. Alex, let's go to Craig in Washington, okay? Okay. Because yeah, it's sure, dealing sure. with a scripture we dealt with today. Craig, thank you for calling. Craig? Craig? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, welcome. I appreciate you guys. appreciate you guys' show. I appreciate all the programming we hear on the AFR. It's just Bless such you. such a... Uh, I appreciate all the political stuff. It's just so good to get back to the Word. So thank you guys for your service to us. So my question is, um, kind of coming from a background of maybe not always having very good communication skills in our marriage and a desire to be completely open and honest with each other and then thinking about, you know, uh, matters in the church or just friends, you know, or situations you might be coming into contact with, when's a good time to share that? share with your wife or how what, what's kind of the you know we say don't share anybody anybody because it's confidential but we, we want our spouses to be confidential but when is a good time to say this i shouldn't share and this is okay craig thank you for calling I'll, I'll make one real quick uh observation alex and you help uh the two shall become one uh mm-hmm. most of the time unless someone if they say don't tell your wife uh, probably I'm going to ask them why not, you know, uh, my, I'm not, you know, we're one. And, uh, so that is not being a gossiper or a whisperer, but you need mm-hmm. to have your wife and the husband to be confidential with each other and with the information we share. Don't we, Alex? Yeah. You know, relationships are built on trust and certainly marriage is built on trust. And, um, you know, Angie and I don't have any secrets from each other. Now, um, Bert, where we go to church, she was on the personnel committee, and their meetings were confidential, and somebody said, well, I know you tell Alex, and Angie said, "Uh, no, and I I said to the person, I said, I don't ask, because, you know, that's confidential, Um, but as a general rule, I mean, we don't hide any, and people have said things to me, I said, now, I'm going to tell Angie, so we we don't have secrets at our house. Amen. Craig, that's what Alex said. Amen. And that's what you do. Guess what? We're going to take more phone calls tomorrow. It's something called Fire Away Friday, Alex. The the whole hour, <laughs> all the time, all your questions. Now, that number tomorrow, it's going to be 888-589-8840. We'll give the entire show to questions tomorrow. We really will. And until then, we want you to tell people about Exploring the Word and AFR. But more importantly, we really do mean this. Tell others about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.